Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Oh, how many of you believe that today, that He won't fail you? If He's been faithful to you in the past, He'll be faithful in the present. He'll be faithful in the future. Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. What a, what a powerful a time of worship, and we want to welcome you uh, to Christ Fellowship. If you're joining us for the first time, uh, we want to say thank you so much for being a part of our worship experience today. My name is Carlos, and I serve as the executive pastor here. I'm also part of the uh, teaching team as well. And if you're one of our local campuses, West Kendall, uh, Doral, our homes, Redland Campus, Coral Gables downtown, if you're watching us online, uh, we want to say thank you uh, for joining us today. Christ Fellowship, can we give it up for them as loud as you can? Well, this weekend is the finale of this series that we've gone through, the book of Romans chapter 8, and so we're going to conclude it uh, today. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Romans 8, verse 35, and it's going to end in verse uh, 39. If you don't have your Bibles, all the verses are on the screen. And so here's what the Word of God says. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in the city of Rome, and he says, Who shall separate? Say with me, separate. Say it like you mean it. Separate. Separate. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 39. Nor anything else in all creation. In other words, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. How many of you believe that today? Come on. At all of our campuses. Amen. Well, you can have a seat now. You know, this time of the year, the fall season, is actually my favorite uh, season. And I know we don't experience fall here in Miami, but the reason why is because uh, football is right around the corner. How many of you Dolphin fans, you're excited? Come on, make some noise, Dolphin fans. You're optimistic. I want to have a quick game, and let's predict how many wins are the Miami Dolphins going to have this year, okay? So I need all campuses to participate. If you think uh, less than 10 games, uh, make some noise. Less than 10 games. Y'all need Jesus. We're going to pray for you after the service, and uh, you need Jesus. You're going to get saved today. Uh, how many of you think uh, 10 games? 10 games. Make some noise. All right? All right? How many of you think more than 10 games? All right. All right. Uh, Super Bowl. You're extra saved and sanctified. You have a lot of faith, brother. So, amen. Listen, I think uh, the Dolphins will win 10 games, uh, 10 and 7, which puts us in, like, playoffs. But we'll see. We'll be praying for the Dolphins. I know we're excited about that. But I, I love the NFL because I love to see the skills that are displayed in the NFL. I love all the strategies and how athletic uh, these men are. And, and check this out. Every year, uh, the NFL has their NFL Hall of Fame, 
where a committee of 46 people, they choose four to eight uh, athletes, NFL players, who played in the NFL to be a part of the Hall of Fame. Uh, this is the best of the best. This is the most elite uh, quarterbacks, uh, the best and most athletic running backs. Uh, this is the best offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, safeties, cornerbacks. You, can, you, you know, the best of the best players make it into the NFL Hall of Fame. And many years ago, one of our very own uh, Dolphins, uh, Dan Marino, uh, made it into the Hall of Fame. In fact, with that in mind, uh, take a look at this video. In 1995, Marino made history. Dan Marino has now brought more yards than anyone else. More touchdowns than any other man in National Football League history. In his 17-year career, Marino threw for 61,000 361 yards, nearly 35 miles, and 420 touchdowns, both NFL records. He remains the all-time leader in pass attempts and completions, and is the only player to throw for 5,000 yards in a single season. By virtue of passing feats never before seen in the NFL, Dan Marino is a member of the class of 2005. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? No pressure to, uh, <laughs> but here's what I love. The moment an NFL player makes it into the Hall of Fame, there is nothing that can be done to separate his name from the Hall of Fame. It doesn't matter how old he gets. It doesn't matter even if he doesn't like the sport anymore, even if he cannot play football anymore, even if he dies or commits a crime or does something wrong in society, nothing can separate that NFL player from being in the Hall of Fame. Now let me bring all of that over to our teaching for today. Because what an image of our relationship with God. And by that I mean just like nothing can separate that NFL player from being in the Hall of Fame, just like that, in a much greater way, this is our big idea for today, in a much more profound and deeper way, the moment that you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the moment that you become a follower of Jesus, you become a child of God, nothing can separate you from God's love. Not your mistakes, not your failures, not your sins, not your shortcomings, not the struggles that you go through, not the storm that you're navigating, not the difficult tribulation that you're facing in life. Nothing will separate you from God's love. Now you might be thinking, Carlos, I'm tracking with you and I get you, but, but how do I experience God's love. How is it that God uh, displays his love towards me? Because sometimes I don't feel uh, God's love. Well, we're going to find out today as we go uh, through this passage. And so we, we love to take notes here. Make sure you take out your Christ Fellowship app and take out your listening guide. And this is the first point that I want you to write down today. Because of his love, nothing can separate us from God. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 35. We've been going through this chapter and look at what the Apostle Paul writes as he's concluding this chapter. He says, who shall separate us from the love? Say with me, love. love. Say it like you mean it, love, love of Christ. Now, we've been going through this chapter. We've told you before that many theologians, Bible scholars, refer to Romans chapter 8 as one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. 
uh, because there's so much deep, heavy, rich theology. And at the same time, it's also a practical chapter uh, for believers to follow. And so what's interesting is that as the Apostle Paul is wrapping up this deep theological passage, uh, in these four verses, he talks about uh, the love of God three different times. In verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In verse 39, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, why would the Apostle Paul end this chapter talking about the love of God? Because the love of God is the foundation of all things. In other words, if God did not love you, you would experience condemnation. If God did not love you, you would not have a new life in Christ, the things that we learned about in this chapter. If God did not love you, you would not be adopted as his child. If God did not love you, he would not be for you. And so he's letting us know, listen, this is the foundation of the things uh, that I talked about. And what's interesting is he talks about this thing of separation. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle or underline the word separate. We've told you many times that the New Testament was first written in Greek and then translated into other languages. And that word separate in the Greek is the word harizo. And it's actually the same word used uh, for divorce, to divide. And I love this because the God that we serve, the God that we worship, the God of scriptures, he's not a distant, faraway God. He's not this God who is dormant, who is uninterested in his creation. But he makes everything all about relationship. And that's why he uses the word, this word divorce. Like nothing can divorce you from God. The Bible says that as children of God, his church, we are his bride. Now, why is that important? Uh, none of us, we, we don't want to be separated from the people that we love. Whether you are a believer or you don't believe in Jesus, you don't want to be separated from your children. You love and you treasure your son. Uh, you love your daughter. Uh, you love your husband. You love your wife. You, you don't want to be separated from them. You don't want to be separated from, from your best friend, from, from, your, from your boyfriend, from your girlfriend. None of us like to experience a separation. You know, when we went through COVID, right? I mean, we're still going through COVID, but when it first started, most of the times people would tell me, uh, Pastor Carlos, I, I didn't really experience uh, severe symptoms. You know, it was low-grade fever and, and a headache and some body aches and fatigue. But really what people uh, experienced and was uh, the hardest thing for them to experience was the separation from everyone else. They had to, we had to quarantine for 10 days, be isolated. I had to be separated from my children. I had to be separated from my parents. I had to be separated from my job. I had to be separated uh, from my leader, from, from a mentor, from, from a teacher that I love and, and, I, and I appreciate and I'm so thankful. I had to be separated from them. And because of that separation, it, it brought anxiety and it stressed me out and, and all these things. And, and what I love about this chapter is that the Apostle Paul begins Romans chapter 8 by saying that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he says there is no separation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he begins the chapter by saying nothing can condemn you. And he ends this chapter, this deep theological chapter by saying nothing can separate you from God's love. You see, God, God's love is not what he gives. God's love is who he is. He doesn't just give love. He, he is love. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down as your next point. God is love. Look what the Bible says in 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Amen. Jeremiah 31, 3. This is the prophet. He says, I have loved you with a temporary love, a conditional love. A love only when you do the right thing, love. Only when you read God's word, love. Only when you come to church, love. An everlasting love. Think about that for a moment. What's an everlasting love? Before he created the heavens and the earth, before he created you and I, before you were even a thought in your parents' minds, before you walked into this earth, before you grew up, before you gave your life to Jesus, before you started coming to church, before you started serving in, in, in a small group, in a ministry, God loved you. Amen. And that is some good news because nothing can separate us from God's love. Because oftentimes we think, because of our mistakes and shortcomings, or when we're going through a trial and a difficult season in life, we feel like, God, do you even love me? Now, I know when it comes to the topic of love, oftentimes people that love deep theology and they want to learn about the deep and mind-blowing things of God, they'll say, oh, Pastor Carlos, uh, I don't want to talk about God's love. That, that's, God's love is all light and fluffy. That, that's all light and fluffy. That, I want some substance. Let's talk about the Old Testament, the high priest and the sacrificial system and, and the prophets or, or, the, or the end time study of eschatology or uh, the study of the church, ecclesiology or all theologies. I just want to learn more, more deep stuff. That, that's not deep enough. I would actually say that studying about the love of God is actually very deep. When you really understand how profound God's love is, it is deep. Uh, a seminary professor was teaching his class and seminary students, and one of the students raised his hand. He said, Professor, Professor, uh, what is the deepest thing in the Bible? What's the deepest thing in the Bible? He was expecting this mind-blowing answer. And he, says, he said, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible what? tells me so. Uh, something that you learned in CF Kids or... In Sunday school, you teach to children. Why is it that the love of God is so profound? Because in God's holiness, God is unapproachable. God is holy. God is perfect. God is sinless. However, God chooses to love imperfect, sinful, flawed people. In God's holiness, he's unapproachable. That's what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. Moses said to the Lord... The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai because you yourself, God, warned us. Put limits around the mount, mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priest and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. 
In other words, don't come here because this is holy ground. And because you are sinful people, you will actually die because of my holiness. But the amazing thing is that in his holiness, God is unapproachable, but in his love, God approaches us. 20 people got it over here. Let me go to this side. In his holiness, God is unapproachable, but in his love, God approaches us. And the way that he becomes up close and personal is through Jesus Christ. No other God is like the God that we serve, that Jesus being God holy took off his celestial robes, came down from his celestial throne to live a perfect life and die a death that he did not deserve. And he did it because he loved you so much, which is why the Bible says in Romans 5 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. God demonstrates his love through Jesus. Even when we were not worth it, God loves us. He, he overpaid. Even when we were not worth it, even when we don't deserve it, he did it because he loves us so much. I've, I've told you before that, that I love food and I don't eat much fast food anymore, uh, but there's still a place that I go to, do not judge me, I, I love uh, Taco Bell. I'll be honest with you. How many of you like Taco Bell? Don't be lying. Come on. We can't lie in church. All right. But here's the thing about Taco Bell. For being a fast food place, it's expensive. A chalupa is like $4.69. A chicken quesadilla is like $5.19. And you need like four chalupas and two chicken quesadillas to get full. I went there the other day, and I asked the lady, ma'am, what's the total? And it was just for myself. I wasn't buying food for, for Shawnee and the children. What's the total? $18.29. I mean, what does that have? New York strip steak on the chalupa? Like, does it have ribeye? Like, what, what do I know? What kind of meat is that? And, and, then, and then I eat the, 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 the food, and a couple of later, hours later, it doesn't feel like Taco Bell. It feels like Taco Hell. I mean, I'm like, why am, why am I eating this stuff? I mean, this is terrible for me. This is awful. But I go there because I love it, and I'm willing to pay more than what it's worth. Uh, we see it in the real estate market. People love homes so much, especially in Miami, that they're willing to pay more than what the house is worth. A house is worth $500,000. That's what the appraised value is for. Someone comes and says, oh, baby, I love that living room so much, and we got to buy that home because I can see our children playing in the playground outside. They could be jumping in the pool. You're going to have a barbecue there. You're going to be having your friends over. We can watch the football. We can watch the Dolphins beat, win, and get 10 games, uh, win 10 games. And so we need to buy that house. And so we're willing to pay $525, 25 over the appraised value. Then someone else comes and says, no, no, I love that home so much because it's in a great community and it's in a cul-de-sac and it's by, right by my sister's home. And so I love that home so much that I'm willing to pay $550,000 $50, over appraised value. Someone else says seventy-five, dollars and, and it becomes a bidding war. And if you're a realtor, you love that because your commission continues to go up and up because it's based on the offer. You're willing to pay more for something because you love it so much. You're willing to pay more. And can I remind you today, in a much greater way, God loves you so much that while you were dead in your sins, while you were dead in your trespasses, when you were far away from the things of God, when you were not seeking Jesus, when you were not coming to church, when you were not reading the Word of God, God said, I love you. I'm going to send my son to die for all of your sins. How many of you believe that today? That is the gospel. That is the message of salvation. Jesus loves you. 
But oftentimes when we're going through a difficult season in life, it can feel like God doesn't love us. And so the Apostle Paul writes a couple of things in the next verse, and he says, what can't separate us from God's love? Pain and suffering. Pain and suffering can't separate us from God's love. Look at what, look what he says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle or underline that word uh, tribulation. In the Greek, it's the word telesis. And it actually means to be squeezed. It means the pressures of life. A, a, a relational pressure. Your marriage feels there's so much pressure. You feel squeezed in your marriage. Your husband and your wife, you're, you're not getting along. The relational pressure, uh, an emotional pressure. Maybe you're de discouraged, depressed, uh, anxiety, overwhelmed, uh, a lot of sorrow. You're going through uh, just all this tribulation in your life. A uh, financial Financial pressure, you know, finances are bad and, and, and you, you don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage and, and you don't know, uh, like, uh, the gas is so expensive and, and the finances and, and all the challenges that come uh, with that. And every single one of us, we face these tribulations in life, whether they are big or small. And so the Apostle Paul is reminding them of these things. And then he says, this very interesting verse, verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, if you've ever read this passage, that verse almost seems like out of place. Like, what is he, what is Paul talking about? Slaughtering sheep and dying and killing and, and as, whenever you see the statement, as it is written, uh, if it's said by someone in the New Testament, they're quoting uh, the writer's quoting a passage from the Old Testament. Right. And the passage that Paul is writing is quoting is Psalm 44, 22. You're going to see it on, on the screen. Yet for your sake we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be uh, slaughtered. And just to give you a little bit of theology and biblical content here, Israel was going through a difficult season in their history. God had given them land and they are being attacked by their enemies and people are dying. They're being persecuted for their belief in Jesus, for their belief in God. They're being persecuted for their faith. And now you would think that God was punishing his people. You would think that the people of God were rebellious and they were being disobedient, but it's actually the contrary. Because look at what verse 17 says, and the psalmist writes this psalm of lament. He says, all this suffering all this tribulation, all of this persecution has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, God, and have not been false to your covenant. In other words, God, we've been obeying the Ten Commandments. We've been doing the right thing. We've been trying to be faithful, yet we're going through this difficult season. Why is this happening to me? And maybe you have felt that way. God, I've been coming to church. I, I, I have been a serving in a, in, in a ministry. I, I've, I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been trying to be obedient and live a righteous, good, holy life. I know I'm not righteous by my works, but I'm trying to do all these things. See, the reason why Paul takes them back to a history lesson, and he reminds us as well, 
is because Paul is trying to help them remember, listen, if God was faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful in the present and be faithful in the future. There's a false gospel that preaches that when you come to Jesus, all your problems will go away. That's not true. But what happens when you come to Jesus, God's promises are greater than your problems. And when you understand that, then you can say, I'm more than a conqueror. Look what the pastor says, verse 37. He says, I am more than a conqueror. Not knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I've always read that word conqueror, and I'm like, oh, someone that conquers and wins the battle. But what exactly is more than a conqueror? See, a conqueror is someone that goes to the battle, fights the enemy, and wins the battle. And after the battle, they rejoice because they've won the battle. A more than a conqueror is not rejoicing at the end of the victory. He's rejoicing in the midst of the battle because he already knows the battle has been won. A more than a conqueror, when he defeats the enemy, the weapons that were meant to hurt him and shatter him and destroy him, they actually serve his purpose. Genesis 50, 20. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. He was put into a pit, then a prison, and then he is in the palace. His brothers tried to get rid of him. They tried to kill him. They tried to destroy him. And he says in Genesis 50, 20, what you meant for evil, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. In other words, for you, child of God, that illness that was meant for evil, that was meant to destroy your faith and get you to walk out on the things of Jesus, actually strengthen your faith and you are closer to God. That divorce that you went through when your husband had that affair or your wife had that affair and it was meant to destroy your relationship with Jesus, it did not destroy you, but it made you healthier and stronger and you are firm in the things of God. That is more than a conqueror. And the Apostle Paul is not writing this out of theory. He's just not saying these things. He's going through all these things. And he's saying, listen, nothing can separate us from the Word of God, which is why the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, he says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Not pain and suffering, not persecution. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? Listen, I know that here in America, we don't experience the persecution that other nations experience where people can't worship God freely because they will be killed for their faith. And we pray for them. But maybe here you've experienced verbal persecution. Maybe you've been ostracized or alienated or told to be quiet been fired maybe or, or, or they deleted a, a social media post and something and, and people will tell me all the time, uh, Pastor Carlos, man, uh, we're going to be persecuted and what's going to happen to the future of the church? I mean, this world is getting so dark and this world is getting so evil and so much wickedness and all the problems and all that stuff. Listen, 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 listen. Persecution cannot stop the movement of God. 
Nothing can stop the movement of God. In fact, persecution does not even slow down the movement of God. If anything, it compels and increases the movement of God. You know what slows down the movement of God? Complacency, success, being comfortable. Those things slow it down. That's what we see in Acts chapter 7 when there was persecution and it began with the stoning of Stephen. It was an explosion of the church because no matter what happens, God is sovereign and he's still in control. And so Paul is reminding us, listen, he was persecuted for his faith. They were attacking him. They were trying to kill him, which he ended up dying because he was a follower of Christ. Pain and suffering can stop you, separate you from God's love, persecution. And here's the next point that I want you to write down. Death can't separate you from God's love. Look at what that passage says, verse 38. For I am sure, say with me, sure. sure. Say it like you mean it, sure. sure. That neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Think about this for a moment. Death is a consequence because of the fall of man. God did not intend death, but the fall of man is it's a consequence because of that. But think about this for a moment. When someone dies, when someone passes away, every single one of us, we're going to pass away if Christ does not return before your time. It doesn't matter if, how much money you have and what you do and uh, your economical level, it doesn't, none of that matters. But when someone passes away, the difficult part about death is that you're separated from everything in this world. You're separated from your husband. You're separated from, from your wife. You're, you're separated from, from your son that you love. You're separated from your daughter. You're separated from, from your business. You're separated from your coworker. You're separated from, from your best friend. You're separated from a family member that you love. You're, you're separated uh, from, from your, your company, your, your job, your leader. There's separation from everyone and everything in this world. But think about this. The one thing that you're not separated is from God. You're not separated from God's love. In fact, death does not separate you from God. It unites you with God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident that absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so even though you experience separation from all these things, Paul is saying, listen, I've gone through these things. I've gone through the famine. I've gone through the persecution. I've gone through the slander. I've gone through the tribulation. I've gone through the distress. I've gone through all these things. And he had not experienced death, yet he was saying, I am sure that when I die, I'm not separated from God's love. That's just amazing. It's just powerful. You see, when you understand this kind of love, this powerful, dynamic, relational that love that God has for you, then you can say, we are more than conquerors through him, through him, through Jesus, not through our abilities, right. not through our strengths, not through our drive, not through our ambition, 
not through how good we are, not through our works, not through our skills, not through our merits, but only through Jesus Christ can we conquer the things that come to this world. But it's when Jesus is the rock of your foundation, when he is the cornerstone of your entire life. You know, earlier this service, we talked about uh, Hurricane Andrew and it happened 30 years ago and we're in the midst of hurricane season and here in Miami there's this beautiful tree uh, called the ficus tree and you've seen it in uh, parks you've seen it probably in your community and it's these beautiful large uh, massive tree that looks very strong and healthy and it provides a lot of shade and maybe you've done some uh, picnics and you've been under the tree to cover yourself from from the Sun but here's the thing about the ficus tree that Whenever a storm comes, it can be a tropical depression, as small as that, a tropical storm or category one hurricane, it easily falls over and dies. Because even though it is a massive, large tree that looks strong and healthy, and it looks like it can take any storm, the foundation is very weak because its root system is very shallow. So any wind that comes, any rain that blows, any, anything that comes its way, it easily tips over. And I was thinking about Hurricane Andrew when I was eight years old, and I still remember my family and I, we were driving down to Homestead, and when we were on the turnpike, we were driving from, from north, from the Kendall area, and we are driving to, to Homestead. I remember seeing the devastation and the homes on the ground and the buildings and the structures and everything on the ground, but I still have a vivid image that there were several palm trees still standing. Several palm trees still standing. Because here's the thing about the palm tree. The way that it's designed is that when the winds blow and the storm comes and with all of its strength and all of its might and all of its destruction, it bends, but it doesn't break. In fact, scientists say that it bends about 40 to 50 degrees and it can bend almost parallel to the ground. It comes, the winds come, and it's coming, and it's coming, but it doesn't break. And its foundation is firmly grounded and it has this strong foundation. All the roots are firmly grounded and because of that, the winds come, the storms come, the destruction, and all the might comes, it bends, it moves, it shakes, but it doesn't break. Can I remind you today, child of God, oh, in a much greater way, in a much deeper way, when you are firmly grounded on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the rock, you may move a little bit, you may shake a little bit. When the storm comes, when the wind blows, you will not break because you are firmly grounded. That cancer, that marriage, that divorce, the illness, whatever you go through, you are firmly grounded in the love of Jesus. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. You will not break. So here's what we're going to do today. Here's what we're going to do today. We're, we're going to end things a little different uh, this today at all of our campuses. And as a pastor, we hear so many of the things that you're going through. Uh, there's so much suffering. Uh, there's so much pain. Uh, there are many, many of you are going through so, much, so many trials in life. 
and so many hard situations in life. So we want to do something different. It may get a little messy, and we want at all of our campuses, if you're at West Kendall, uh, Doral, uh, Redland, uh, Core Gables, what we want to do today is we want to open up the altar. Yeah. We're going to open up the altar, and there's something special that happens when the people of God, with a posture of humility, we bow down before God, and we pray to God, and we present our request to God so that he can fill our hearts and our minds with peace, and with joy. And so what we're going to do now at all of our campuses as the team continues to lead us in singing and they're going to play some music in the background. We're going to open up this altar and some of our leaders are even going to be here if you want to be prayed for. But right now in this very moment, in the stillness of this very moment, I want to invite you to come to the front and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Let's do it.
built on Jesus, you will not be shaken. Come on, sing it. I'm saved. Oh, in the arms of Jesus, we can count. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes, everyone in this room, if you're watching us online, and maybe this is your first time joining us, or maybe you've been coming here for many weeks or many months, and as I preach this message, you're like, Pastor Carlos, I, I'm tracking with you, but I don't experience God's love because I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never made him my Lord and Savior of my life. See, I have good news for you, my friend. The Bible says that every single one of us, we are all sinners. We are all imperfect people. However, we follow a perfect Savior. And today, my friend, you have an opportunity to make a decision, the best decision that you can make in your entire life, to give your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am here. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. If you're making that decision today, we're, gonna, we're not going to ask you to come to the front. We're not going to put you in the spot. We're not going to do anything like that. But I do want to know who I'm praying for. And so in a moment, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're like, Carlos, that message was for me, and I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to experience God's love and God's forgiveness and God's joy, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed in this room, right at this moment, take a moment right now and lift up your hand as high as you can with no one looking in this room. God bless you, man. God bless you in the front. God bless you, ma'am, in the front. God bless you, sir. Salvation is your, today's salvation has come to your life. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you in the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you in the back. You can put your hand down. Even if you did not lift up your hand, it's not lifting up the hand that saves you. It's the condition of your heart, and God wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants it all. 
So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and you can pray the same exact words, or you can pray something similar. Father God, I just come before you, and I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died, you were buried, and you were raised for my sins. And so today, Jesus, I repent from my old ways, and I run to you today. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my best friend, be my everything. Write my name in the book of life. From this day forward, I will live for you and you alone. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen and amen. Christ Fellowship, if you're excited for those that said that prayer, we'll give it up to them. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you made that decision to follow Christ, two things. Make sure you go to our Next Steps area. We have a Bible uh, that we want to give you. And so do not leave before we give you that Bible. And also sign up to get baptized. Your next step as a follower of Jesus now is to get baptized. In fact, at all of our campuses, we're having baptism this weekend. Well, next weekend, our campus pastors are preaching. Can we encourage all of our campus pastors? Yeah. Bring someone. Don't come alone. And last but not least, uh, September 30th, we're having our ministry rally. Just save the day. It's going to be a great, great day. Save the day. We're going to give you more information about that. But I love you, Christ Fellowship. Have a great day. God bless you. Go Dolphins. God bless you. Take care.